Hello, all you reinventors. This is Leslie Jane Seymour, and I am the founder of Covey Club and of this podcast. And I am so delighted to bring to you somebody who I so admire and have admired for so long. You're going to totally love her if you don't already know her uh, already. It's Sarah LaFleur. She's the founder and CEO of MM LaFleur. And she founded MM LaFleur in 2013 with a mission to help women take the work out of getting dressed so they can focus on what matters to them. And she's had to pivot several times in her personal life, several times during the pandemic with her company. And what I love about Sarah is her honesty, her down-to-earthness. She is an incredible killer CEO. She's doing incredible stuff. And at the same time, she's very honest about it ain't easy out there. And with business, you often have to reinvent. I mean, as she says in our conversation, could you think she she started out making workwear right before the pandemic? And could you think of anything worse for workwear than a pandemic? And yet she pivoted and survived and is flourishing. And you're just going to be so intrigued by her intelligence and her explanation uh, of how she did it. And also her personal reinvention, realizing that she needs to be in community with other women. She needs to have that energy and that warmth and how she connects with other people. So without further ado, I am going to turn this over to my conversation with Sarah LaFleur. Sarah, it's so wonderful to have you here. I cannot even believe it's been five years since we talked last time. You were one of my very first interviews on this podcast. Thank you so much for having me. And it's fun to do a revisit, you know, Leslie and Sarah five years later. So yes. Oh my God. And you have so much that you have done and so much that you've changed and so much you've gone through. So maybe for people who don't know you, give us the the two second first, you know, first reinvention um, into becoming the CEO of MM LaFleur. And then we'll talk about reinventing through the pandemic, because that really is a real story about having to hang in there and rethink and change, which really is your original story as well. Uh, thank you. Um, yeah, absolutely. So uh my first job coming out of school, um, actually first I worked as a bike tour guide in Paris, France, which was, uh, which is my birth, my birth city. But, um, I was working in management consulting in New York city. That was my first real adult job. I never thought I would be someone who worked in the fashion industry. I actually still don't really feel that way. Uh, but to make a very long story short, I, um, I was working in a, job in private equity. Um, it was clear that it was not the right job for me. And so I left, I kind of ran out of that job and with, without another plan, wasn't sure what I was going to do with myself, but I always had this idea in the back of my mind that workwear for busy professional women could be better. Um, my mother worked in, in high end fashion. And I think through her, I got to see and touch these beautiful clothes. And I thought to myself, why is it this available for, for kind of your everyday woman? And so I partnered with my co-founder Miyako Nakamura back in 2011, and we launched MM LaFleur in 2013. So we just celebrated our, our 10 year anniversary 
and it is a clothing line for busy working women. Um, we focus on suiting dresses, pants. Uh, we sell mostly online, but we actually, we used to have nine stores before the pandemic and now we've got wow. five. Um, uh, so that, that's, that's me. Mm. So let's talk about when you're doing workwear and you're up and rolling, right? And you've got this business going and you filled the niche that didn't have anything there. I mean, the big problem when you started was that young women had nowhere to go to get nice workwear. They could, you know, they could get a couple of pieces at um, various, you know, fast fashion places, but the items would not necessarily become part of a wardrobe and they might not last and the quality might not be there. So you were filling a fabulous area that was open. I, so what happened yeah. during the pandemic when all the customers don't need to go to work anymore? It's, uh, I mean, it, in, in retrospect, there's nothing hilarious but about COVID, but if you could right. in your mind, think of an incident or a macro crisis that would be the exact uh, the exact thing that would destroy my business, it would be COVID. It would be literally <laughs> a pandemic that would keep yes. one at home for, you know, in many cases, two years, two and a half. Yes. It was, uh, it was really, really challenging to say the least. And I think, you know, by the skin of our teeth, we, we survived. And, you know, in 2022, we started growing again and um, knock on wood, it's been a great year so far. And I think actually, you know, you, I said workwear and, and Leslie, you said workwear. And I think that is how a lot of people who came to know us, um, you know, understood us that MM LaFleur is a workwear brand. And I think one of the transformations we had to go through during COVID is really you know, it was an existential crisis. Like, does our business even yes. make sense in a world where a lot of people, even post-pandemic, are working from home or you're just working remotely? And the answer, thankfully, was yes, because I think what we discovered is the 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 crisis, the the panic that women feel when it comes to getting dressed. Um, that un unfortunately, you know, remains whether you're at home or you're working from the office. And, and so much of what we are doing as a company is helping women get dressed in the morning. Um, and, and so thankfully, you know, we figured that out, but it was a really, really tough struggle to get there. Can you talk a little bit about how it dawned on you that you were going to have to rethink? What was the, was there a, sort of flex point where I, you realized, you know, because you made some incredible dresses. I see now that you're doing a lot more pieces so that you can probably throw the top on and still have your pajamas on if you want. Absolutely. It's, it was, you know, I think initially when COVID happened, and I think most of us thought this, that it was, I mean, remember when we closed, we, we, I shouldn't say we, but when, when we were walking around right when COVID was happening and we would see all these signs that said, Hey, we're going to close uh, the store for two weeks. We'll, we'll, we look forward to seeing you in April. And, and then the two weeks became three months and then it became six months. And I think by the time we got to July of 2020, so three to four months in, 
that was kind of when a new reality set in. And I, I realized, oh, oh my gosh, like there, we're not going back to the way it was. The only way through was forward. And, and um, we, we, for the, for most of 2020, we, we really tried to show how MM could be styled more casually because in retail, the, 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 we, we are making decisions about what we're going to be selling nine months, one year ahead. Like I literally just got out of a meeting where we were, where we're talking about spring 24, um, wow. you know, so 11 months out. Oh. And, wow. and you buy inventory to that. So, as, as you know, you of course want to be nimble and think on your feet and, and offer something that meets the times. But meanwhile, you have already kind of decided on what you're offering for the next year and committed to those, those styles. And so a lot of what we were doing is actually saying like, how do you take this piece and, and style it more casually? And I think to, to our relief, like there was a, a pant that was called the Colby, um, origami suiting pant. And it was these, these pants that are perfect for travel. They really don't wrinkle. They have an elastic waistband. So they're very comfortable, even if you're sitting on a plane in them and we renamed them the Colby joggers. So it went from suiting pant to joggers. And as soon as we changed the name and we showed how it could be styled with a t-shirt sales for those pants, um, increased five X, but it really took that kind of think thinking through and editing for each of our styles to be able to show how, you know, M.M. LaFleur was still relevant even during the pandemic. Um, well, yes. And you have the great fabrics that you can throw in the wash and they still look extraordinary. And so all those kinds of things are comfortable, incredibly comfortable fabrics as well. And I mean, so that definitely you, I think you had the advantage in that respect. Thank you. And, and I do think that's one of the things we pride ourselves on. We're not a fast fashion business. We always talk to our customers about cost per wear and how the things that you buy from MM, you, we hope you're wearing it a decade from now. And so what Mm -hmm. we did hear from a lot of our best customers is, you know, they were shot, like, they were like, frankly, I'm not even leaving the house, but I really like your spring collection. So I'm going to buy it now, knowing that I'm probably going to wear it in the future. Um, And, and so we felt grateful to our our loyal customers who were there to support us during the hardest of times but i think actually then going get going through the pandemic we ended up really evolving the styles that we're offering so dresses used to be a third of our business and now it's i would say half of that um, interesting what has really replaced that is jackets number one like our jacket sales have doubled from pre-pandemic and i think we could talk a little bit about why jackets yeah are- let's do that yeah Go ahead. Um, but I, I, you know, I think like Leslie, we're, we're having this conversation on zoom, but if, if you're like, I dropped my kids off at school this morning and then I had to go to a, a pretty, um, important meeting and I'm not wearing my jacket when I'm, when my, you know, I'm literally holding my kid, but then as soon right. as I drop my kid off, I can throw my jacket on. And what I'm wearing underneath is exactly the same, but the fact that I have my jacket suddenly makes me look put together. And I yes. think this ja- jacket is this incredible signifier. And it, this, I mean, it's like, it's a magic tool. You suddenly put on a jacket and you could be wearing a t-shirt underneath and suddenly you look put, put together. And I do think yes. a lot of women for that reason have really embraced the jacket. And I think it's fulfilling the role that dresses used to play in many women's wardrobes. So 
it has really, it's doubled in sales and, um, and then, and pants, obviously, you know, if a lot of women, of course you can wear a skirt suit, but a lot of women choose to wear jackets with, with more casual pants. And so we've seen pants sales pick up a lot as well. Interesting. You know, have you seen the Netflix movie uh, series, The Diplomat? Have I seen The Diplomat? My dad, my dad was actually a diplomat and was a career officer and the ambassador to Malaysia. So we actually, my dad and I have watched it together and have had a lot of fun talking about what parts, parts are accurate versus not. Well, because what I noticed, I mean, this is only, you know, somebody being in the fashion business forever. I was fascinated by her wardrobe. And for by sure. the fact that she would throw a jacket on over anything to, I mean, they're obviously trying to make a, a point about her. I'm guessing they're trying to make her, you know, that she's not so presentable. And then she pulls herself together by pulling, you know, brushing her hair and putting on her jacket. And I thought, you know, it's really refreshing to see a jacket and pants and a, and a t-shirt. And I was I like, it's been a long time since we've seen that and loved it, right? It's so true. And I I have to say, like, part of what is so um, fascinating about that is, is how kind of like purposefully frumpy, maybe taking it a bit too far, but kind of disheveled there making yes. her look. But yes. I do think so many women look at that and say like, actually, that's kind of probably how I look most right. of the time. Right. And, it, and watching her go through this transformation process, like she's not Carrie Washington from uh, what is that? uh I'm like forgetting the name of it, but we all yes. know. Um right. And yes. uh she's not that. She's very real, she's very human. And I I do think um many women, myself included, relate to to that fashion style. And I really have to say, I mean, and this is always how I sort of ran our fashion magazines. It was more of a gut when you look at something and you think, oh, that looks so comfortable. And that looks so nice after all these years of wearing dresses. And I, I just thought it was just such a, an interesting moment that struck me. And when you're talking about the jacket, I'm not surprised. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I think the jacket I is also what we're seeing right now is like women, a lot of women are buying suits, but they're not buying it to wear it together. Like they're right. going to separate the jacket right. from the pant and the pant can be worn like a wool pant can be worn with a t-shirt and that's actually beautiful and casual right. and of the moment. Um, right. So, so that's interesting for sure. So let's talk a little bit about what, is actually, I mean, when you talk to your customers today, um, besides the jacket, when they're at home doing a lot of work on Zoom, things like that, what are they telling you or what can you tell from your sales that they're wearing? We've seen color come back. Oh, yes, of course. I really, I mean, I, I love color. Um, even though I'm wearing black today, I'm noticing I'm <laughs> all black and just staying true to my New York roots. But um, we launched this electric blue suit. And I think, again, blue is usually a fairly neutral color. You know, you think of baby blue or navy. They're, they're inoffensive and would be one way to say it, kind of lack of a statement might be another way to say it. And we launched this electric blue suit and I thought eh, 
it's like it's not for everyone it's a bright color it's not gonna be you know uh, kind of a, a a best seller and I was totally proven wrong it's been our number one selling jacket since we launched it and that color which actually coincidentally you know we've seen Kate Middleton wear it this season we've seen Beyonce wear it to um, a, a basketball game it's like a, it, it's called a royal blue as well but it's uh-huh. a demands to be seen and it's been interesting watching a lot of busy working women saying like I don't want to I don't really want to hide behind black and navy anymore I'm I'm ready to wear some color I'm uh I'm wanting to show off and what's wrong with a little electric blue and and so that's been fun to see prints are really back and I think you know, the Prince trend, we, we saw that with the nap dress and all of that during all of COVID, but Prince, I think are, are here to stay for, I would say like, it, we're definitely seeing it this, this season. It's a statement, but I think done right. It, it looks, you know, it looks very elegant. Um, and, and so we've seen our prints do really well as well. And do you have any suggestions in particular for women who are trying to look good on their zoom call, <laughs> but don't have to look good below the zoom call. Right. Like that's like every woman's number one, number one. Right. question. Yeah. Uh, I definitely. So again, like I, I'm, I'm repeating myself a little bit here, but just try wearing a jacket. I think you will be surprised oh, okay. how, how the shoulder looks and the, the lapel, the existence of the lapel. I think it just looks like you put in the time and the consideration. I interviewed someone recently and she put on a jacket and I I know she was wearing a jacket. I noticed that immediately. I think it's just clear that she, that thought went into it, even though, you know, the act of putting on a jacket takes 10 seconds or less and you could be wearing anything you want below pajama pants, whatever. But um, <laughs> it, it really does. It really brings a certain something. Um, and then I'm a big proponent of, of accessories. I really love earrings. Um, I'm not much of a necklace person because I I, I don't know. I feel like it, it the heavy like heavy necklaces tire me out. But I right. I love big statement earrings. I always have you, you know. And and I know a lot of things have gone very delicate and and small now. Um, but I, I think you can never really go wrong with, with some, some bling in the, around the years. So for zoom calls, that's, that's really my go-to, you know, jackets and earrings. And how about using a print? If you're not going to use the jacket, can you use the printed blouse as to look polished? I mean, we used to call that polish all the time. I, I, that's actually such a, that's such a good point. Um, I do think the print, I think part of it is that prints are rarely on um, t-shirts and like, I think t-shirts can read very, right. And prints are often on, on silk um, or, you know, on some, in some cases um, polyester, but it it usually is, is on a more delicate fabric. So I think, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, uh, I will say if you're doing any zoom recordings, just steer clear of, of busy prints. Um, I have definitely learned that lesson myself where it's sometimes almost like too distracting. Um, oh, interesting. I, I would, I would say, you know, you know, prints, I think by nature are, they, they have an elevated look to it. Um, and, and, and are often, uh, associated with like a more elevated fabric. Mm-hmm. Right. 
exactly. Yeah. It's hard to do them on a, a trashy kind of fabric. Exactly. It's definitely true. So that's fabulous. And let's talk a little bit about what you're reinventing in your personal life as well, which is great. I'm so happy to hear it. I just wrote a piece um, that I'll send you. I just put it out today, responding to the Surgeon General's report on loneliness. Mm-hmm. And really, one of the reasons why I invented Covey Club was because I, I felt so lonely after leaving corporate life and my kids flying off. I mean, they were you know, of course it takes a long time in many cases for emptiness to fulfill itself. They, they go, they come back, they go, they come back. You have COVID, they come back. But when they finally go, you'll see your kids are young, but you really feel at odds. Even if you've, you know, been a professional your whole life, it's very difficult. And, um, so I would love to know you're talking about prioritizing your mental health, and prioritizing female friendships. So I would love to talk about that because we now know, and and I've been reporting on this for a while with Covey. I mean, it has incredible mental impact. It has future impact. It has longevity impact. All those things that we don't, you know, we're like, ah, I got some friends I made out of, close friends, you know, whatever. Those are really vital. And I'm interested that you've picked up on that. I, you know, it's funny. I think um, I've always been a very social person and I, you know, it's rare for me to spend a day without talking to a girlfriend. And actually one of the things that my college roommates and I say is that you really only need eight minutes to talk to somebody. I think Oh, yes. There's a study about that. Yes. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do not take credit for it. One of my roommates told me uh, this and and we've repeated it since then. But I think we often think we need like, I don't know, all the time in the world. I, we think we need 30 minutes to, yes. to talk to someone and talk to someone. And we actually don't, um, you know, maybe you need more than two minutes, but you don't need a ton more to just check in with each other. Right. And so I've really tried to make it a habit. I, I know everyone loves listening to podcasts these days and I, and I do as well, but if I'm, you know, fr- from where I drop my kids off, uh, at nursery school to the, my, my train station, it's probably about a six minute walk. And I usually try to call someone, um, Oh, and, that's great. And just say hi. And I do find that 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 makes a huge difference for me. I've also started, um, you know, I, I go, uh, my girlfriend and I go see the same trainer now. And so we're working out together. And um, I, I think as as many business professionals know, like there, there aren't so many things, like it's hard to fit in time with your family, with time for friends, with time for working out. And so right. I started combining a lot of those things, you know, it's like, okay, my time to work out is also my time with my friends or my time with my friends is also my time with my kids. Um, it's hard to combine kids and working out. I'm still, I'm not there. <laughs> they um, do do that where they, when they're little babies, where they lift them as the weights. I'm sure you've seen that. <laughs> I have seen them. Um, right. I'm definitely not strong enough to lift my children as right. weights anymore. Right. Um, you know, I, I think that is a huge part of it. Um, I, you know, I'm in a a role that where I'm, I'm very visible and I, I do do a lot of meetings and appearances, but I, I do find that it's, um, 
it, the, the things that are most fulfilling uh, to me are, are really when I have that connection with people. And, and so I, 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 if I can find that connection when I'm, I'm meeting with, with people like at, at a business setting, that's actually also so important to me. Like I, I, some of my closest friends are, are fellow founders and I've met them through, through MM LaFleur. And, you know, now we, we just text each other or WhatsApp each other all the time. Um, and actually it, my, I have a WhatsApp group that is with me and, and three other direct consumer CEOs. And, and I think some people might actually, if, if you took a look at the, the people, they, they might say, oh, are those people like your direct competitors? But um, what's actually been so nice is that we, you know, we don't see each other as competitors because we know the world of retail is, is so large and there's, yes. you know, our, our competition is, is Amazon. It's not, you know, yes. it's not brands that are our size. And so being able to really both support and commiserate, um, about what we're going through, which is remarkably similar, um, it is, it's just been like such a source of, of happiness for me. Oh, that's so wonderful. What made you decide to prioritize your mental health? I think I, I've had challenges with mental health in the past. Uh, I, I, you know, I would say I, I never really noticed it. I, I had a year in college that was very difficult for me. And so I think I was attuned to the fact that I had, I, I could have depressive tendencies, but uh -huh. um, I really didn't face it until... 20, I, I, I went through about maybe in 2011. And then I think in 2019, when my company was going through this really big change and I was so anxious, um, mm -hmm. you know, I, 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 you know, I went through a phase where I felt like I had to pop my, like Lexapro left and right, just to kind of keep my head on straight. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've been seeing a psychiatrist that, you know, I am, I really, I, I owe her so much, but, um, it was a really, really difficult time. Uh, and, and I think so much so that I'm, I'm very attuned to when I, I can feel the wheels kind of coming off. Uh, it's a mm -hmm. feeling and, um, I, I know the things that I need to do to kind of get myself back on track. Um, a lot of that actually involves, you know, just actually physical exercise. I, 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 if I run, I usually feel pretty, pretty good about myself. Um, uh, it's that adrenaline rush that is so valuable. And then, and then I really like staying in touch with my friends and family. I, I, I almost, I notice almost an immediate, um, an immediate difference. And so I, I, I almost have to prioritize it because I, I know yes. what's wrong if I don't. Yes. And I think what we see again there, you know, I read all this research, sorry, it's coming out of my ears, all this stuff. That's what was happening after the pandemic is a lot of people be responding to inflation were cutting the things that they would do for themselves. Like they were cutting their gym memberships, they were cutting their outlets for, you know, exercise for connecting clubs, all that stuff they thought of it as not important. And what we're finding coming out of this pandemic is those are the most important things is connecting, taking the time, taking the moment, making sure you have good friends around you, making sure you have, have the exercise. I really believe in that as well in terms of anxiety, you know, medication. It's 
it's the thing that works yeah. when nothing else does. Yeah. And, you know, I try to tell my daughter that it still doesn't believe exactly that in meditation too. I don't know if you've tried meditation, but meditation is very, very helpful for, you know, when I feel super anxious, I'll do a second meditation a day. Generally I can do one in the morning um, and I can't live without it now. It's been about 10 years. I would love to get into meditation and I have I I have done breathing exercises during really difficult times, but I find I find it so I find it so hard to and and so like Leslie, could you give me a tip? Like where do I get started? I'm going to put you in touch with somebody and you will see if that works for you because it's a very I tried a lot of ones that didn't work for me. Yeah. And TM worked for me. It was much easier. Um, and I'm so crabby and awful if I don't do it that my husband just says to me, go upstairs and meditate. I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> oh, that's, so, actually, that's amazing. If your husband is like, I have, Leslie, have you meditated today? <laughs> go away. Just go away. Go have another meditation. You're not a human being. And it's true. But you find those things that work for you. And, and I think I, I love the fact that you're being honest about it. I love the fact that you're being open about it because so many people are afraid to talk about it. And I mean, as everybody knows on my podcast, I talk about my 25 years of therapy and, um, you know, you don't, you don't pick your parents and, uh, you don't pick your life and you have to figure out what works for you and different people need different things. And I love the fact that we are bringing this stuff out of the closet and it's helpful. I think it's, it's helpful. And I, I also, I, I feel, I know this is silly to say, but um, maybe I shouldn't say I, I feel zero shame in it, but I, I have a pretty, like a pretty small amount of shame. Like I don't actually care. And I don't, I don't think anybody, I, I mean, I don't think people think less of me. Um, the one time I was worried about it is I did talk about my mental health struggles um, before on a podcast. And then um, the Wall Street Journal, I think, was writing a piece about founders and, and mental health. And they said, hey, could we get you a quote on it? Can, can we quote, quote you on this? And can we, can we, is it okay if we say that, you know, work caused you to have mental health struggles? And that's, that was the one time where I, paused. Uh, you know, I don't, well, first of all, I don't know if I want the world to know me for like I don't right. know, like you know that's the number one thing I want people right. to know me about and then I don't want um you know other future business people to think like god this this woman has mental health struggles like what if what if she loses her mind on us um but you know so that was if I'm being completely honest that was the one time I really paused and I ended up saying like no I don't I don't think I I actually want to be in that piece um but the truth is I think because I, I think we think most successful people must not have mental health struggles that somehow it, it's, it's, um, it, you, you can't possibly, you know, have your, your, your life together and also be going through mentally, mental health challenges. But I, I do think the, the fact is that most people are, or most people do. And, and some of the most um, successful people I think have gone through something or are going through something. Um, and some of the most successful people are insane and won't get help. <laughs> yes, it's the two, right. the two don't necessarily cancel each other out. Yeah. The good part is it's hard. 
being successful is hard and often it requires being tougher, you know, and I mean, you know, you have to have a pretty thick skin and, you know, my, my business was, you know, people were, you know, pissing all over everything I wrote every day. It's very, very hard. And, but the thing is, if you're willing, I always say it's harder to face your issues than it is to run from them. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of very successful people are afraid to face their issues. Their neurosis works for them and they're, they're just, they're nuts. I mean, you hear the stories, you see the explosions, you see, you see these people who are so successful and then they blow themselves up and people are all surprised. I'm never surprised. I'm like, why didn't you get some help? You could have gotten some help early on and you could have had both. Yes. Yep. I completely agree. So, right. So I think it's, it's harder to be honest and it's harder to admit it. It's tough out there. And if you're, you know, you really want to be successful, it's a, it's a great thing to do, which is really address. And and each of us has different issues. And um, so it's wonderful to, to look for help, however we can get them. And today you have so many options. You can get coaching as well. You know, now today, I mean, I did 25 years of psychotherapy and the problem is that was all looking backwards. What I love about today is you can do the looking backwards, know what your triggers are, but you can also move forward and coaching will move you forward. You know, you need to know what's driving you, but there's no point in staying with the old. You need to move forward. So each one has its limitation in my opinion. I, you know, thank thank you for saying that. Reminded me of that. I'm I'm actually about to start doing some coaching for the first time. In Yay! Awesome. Time. Yeah. Oh, okay. And, and I'm looking forward to it because I I do feel like I, I you know I have I have three small kids. Um, they're they're two and a half, and I feel like I I am just coming Ooh. out of this phase of of really being heads down. Like I I. I I mean, I have cried. I've literally collapsed on the floor so many times. Oh my God. Yes. And I do feel like I am kind of emerging back into myself again. Like I finally feel like my body is mine again. And yes. And to your point about moving forward, I do feel like if the past two and a half years were about survival and making sure that, you know, that I survived, that my kids survived and thrived right. that my business also survived right and thrived, then I think it's it's time for me to put a little bit of focus back onto okay what do I need to do to, to keep moving forward so thank you for for that reminder on coaching yeah good well awesome so as we pull into the end here I could talk to you for the whole day <laughs> would love that what, what would you say are three big takeaways that women should know about getting through the pandemic, whether they have a business or they just are coming out of it and feeling normal again. What is your little bit of advice to them? Because it's it's been, you know, it's kind of like we're sort of normal, but not completely. You're still kind of nervous about, you know, sliding backwards. I'm, I'm, um, I'm quoting Jenna Bush, who I believe got this advice from her mother, Laura Bush, about uh, Laura's great, yeah, um, about getting um, fit postpartum because I put on a lot of weight while I was pregnant, and 
Um, I'm, I, I don't know if I'll ever be, you know, I mean, I, I know I'll never be probably as fit as the way I was, you know, before having kids, I, maybe I will, but the advice that she gave, I thought was so accurate, which is give yourself two years. And I think there's always this rush, this great rush, you know, we're yes. always worshiping at the altar of people getting back to their postpartum body three months after they give birth. And she said, you know, don't, I, I, you know, my advice would be like, don't even think about trying to exercise or get back to, you know, your, whatever it was for the first year, just like focus on, on being happy and healthy. And, and then I, when Laura Bush told Jenna Bush, like, two years feels like a good time frame, And I was just like, I think that's actually good life advice generally. Like if you're coming out of any sort of crisis or any sort of trauma, pan- exactly. It's like the first year is like, well, how can I just, you know, keep my, my head above water. Um, and then two years pass and I feel like, okay, that's actually a, like the right amount of time for, for you to start moving again. And I, I don't necessarily mean literally moving. Like, I think it could be metaphorically moving forward and and I I think um there's such a rush right now in our culture like everything is so you know there's instant gratification with everything um but allowing yourself time and really believing in in the power of time I think I I, I've learned that also as a business person which is like again like sometimes there's this great rush to respond to every email every text and sometimes have you ever had this experience before where you're like you read an email in the evening and you're like god i, I gosh i you know i i feel such a a panic to respond and solve yes. this immediately but yes you let it pass like maybe maybe you don't yes. respond the following day or maybe even the following week and you actually realize that the problem has kind of solved itself yes um, Many and, times, many times. Right. And, and so I, I do think coming out of post pandemic, Leslie, to your point, like believe in the power of time and don't, don't rush to, to return to it. Like, and, and to quote Laura Bush, give it two years. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's really great information. And I'll tell you where I learned to do that. Not rushing. I had a um, very wise entertainment editor when I was at Redbook, a woman named Jeannie Wolf who, when we would, you know, that was the height of uh, of the beginning of the celebrity culture in the 90s. And you had to get the right celebrity for your cover and you had a fight for the one you wanted, blah, blah, blah. And we would do the fight and we wouldn't win and we would have to pick somebody that we didn't want or whatever. And Jeannie had this, she was much older than me. And she always said, just let it go. Let's see what happens. We don't have to make a decision yet. Wait until you have to make a decision. Mm-hmm. And it was the most fabulous advice because what would happen is all the people you wanted in the beginning, who you wouldn't get anyway, because we were a red book, <laughs> got taken. But then you'd get somebody who had, and this was the new, the old celebrity news thing, Somebody had just caught caught for DWI and they needed to revamp their image. <laughs> we would get them because we were closer to news. I love it. Is that hilarious? I and love so it. I learned, you know, and, and I learned in what I say. And I say this to my daughter, you know, who, you know, wants to make a decision today on something she doesn't have to make a decision for for months. Yeah. And I say, you don't, if you don't have to make a decision, sometimes just let it go for a while and see what happens because things can change. 
And um, I learned that really from Jeannie and booking covers. And often we would get a fabulous cover at the last minute, whereas I was in a panic. And yeah. um, and what I always say to you know my my daughter and the people around me now is, I never had to put myself on the cover. I always <laughs> got somebody way better. So oh, you know what I mean. Oh. That you never ever got stuck like you thought. You know, like who is the like last person you were going to stick on that cover and you were going to bomb yourself, right? So never had to do yeah. that. That is. That's an amazing story. Isn't that funny? Um, yes. Although I do wish you had appeared on a cover. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> no. So Sarah, thank you so, so much. And thank you for being so honest and for sharing. And I wish you all the best of luck. And we will be doing this again in five years. <laughs> I look forward to it. 2028. I'll see yes, you then. exactly. All right. Take care, hon. Take care. Bye, Leslie. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation. I hope that this was eye-opening for you in terms of somebody who's so successful being honest about, it ain't easy out there. It's tough. And I hope that gives you inspiration to know that even if you're struggling, it doesn't mean you're at the end. It could well mean that you're right in the thick of it. And that's kind of what it's about. Sometimes it's about the struggle. If you enjoyed the podcast, I hope that you will give us some stars and a comment on Apple Podcasts that really helps other people find us. And I hope as well that you will share the podcast with anybody who you think might need it. And then if you're very serious about your reinvention or about connecting with women in midlife, mosey on over to coveyclub.com and check us out. We have downloads, we have articles, we have... Oh my God, we have essays. We have everything you can imagine that addresses, you know, the good points and the tough points of midlife and a lot about reinvention. So enjoy, and I will see you back here next time.